I have been addicted to an illusion, a, uh, a false belief. It's made me feel better, and so I keep running back to it, but it's not real. My illusion, I am in control. Part of growing up, part of maturing spiritually has been learning this obnoxious, even painful truth. I am not the final say. I'm not in charge of the universe. I'm not in charge of the weather. I'm not in charge of other people. I am not without limits. Remembering this is essential for spiritual growth. Hey friends, I am Mark Allen Shelsky, and this is The Apprenticeship Way, a podcast about spiritual growth following the way of Jesus. This is episode 24, I Rest in Faith. Now, before I get started, I, I want to tell you about something new that I'm doing. I'm a big nerd. I love technology. I love experimenting with new tools and new things, and I'm also a teacher at heart. So I'm experimenting with some live online teaching. I put together teaching on some practical ways that you can grow spiritually in the middle of a very full, very busy, very stressed life. So I'm doing this teaching live on the internet. I've done it a couple of times already and I've gotten great feedback and ideas about how I can improve it. And so I'm gonna do it a few more times and see what I can learn. So if you're interested, I'll drop a registration link in the notes. Uh, plus, if you stay through the whole thing, 35 minutes, maybe 40 minutes, I'm gonna give you my best book recommendation for spiritual growth and a fantastic gratitude practice that I use that I formatted up on a nice color downloadable PDF that you can have for free just for listening uh, to this teaching. So join me for one of these online events and let's see how it goes. How to grow spiritually in the middle of a very busy life. One other thing. If you're tuning into this podcast regularly, that means you're finding this information, this content, this teaching helpful, encouraging, useful for your journey. Well, guess what? I can also do this stuff in person. I'm scheduling speaking engagements through the end of 2020. So if you've got a church or retreat or camp or conference or a nonprofit organization that you'd like to have me come and, and talk about inner life growth, spiritual maturity, following Jesus, or if you'd like me to talk about emotional discipleship, that intersection between faith and emotional wellness, I would love to come and share that with you. I'm also scheduling the Untangled Heart Workshop, which is a one-day training that I do in collaboration with a friend of mine who's a trauma therapist. Now, this event gives people the tools they need to be able to sit with their emotions and see what they mean, find the wisdom that's available there. And we would be excited to bring that to your community as well. So follow the link in the show notes and we can set something up. All right, onward. Now, last season on this podcast, I learned about seasons. It never even occurred to me that podcasts could have seasons. This isn't a TV show. It turns out podcasts need seasons so that the podcaster doesn't get burned out. And so because of my ignorance and terrible planning on my part, I ended last season right in the middle of a series, a series on a spiritual practice that has been so helpful to me that I call the Anchor Prayer. Well, I'm picking up that series now. So if you missed the setup, go back and listen to episodes 19, 20, and 21. I'll put links in the show notes. In those episodes, I taught you this little prayer that I've been praying for a couple of years now. It's short. You can pray it in just a few breaths. It's simple. You can memorize it quickly. It's meant to be prayed multiple times in a day as an anchor to keep your mind and heart oriented towards God. But this is more than just a memorized prayer. It's also about building a new mental habit so that we can participate in God's work to renew our minds 
so that we can live with an ongoing experience of abiding in Christ. Now, if that sounds intriguing to you, then go back, catch those three episodes from last season, links in the notes, and then come back today as we pick up the conversation. Here's the prayer. I rest in faith, trusting Father. I walk by faith, following Jesus. I hear in faith, obeying Spirit. In you, I remain. So today we're going to look closely at just the first line. I rest in faith, trusting Father. Rest is something I desperately need. How about you? I'm not talking about sleep, although some days I could use more of that. And I'm not talking about time off work, although vacations are nice. I mean rest. Rest from our drivenness. Rest from that that never-ending need we have to accomplish, to get to the to-do list, to, to somehow establish our worth through all of the things that we're doing. I struggle with that. I suspect I'm not the only one. We're going to go deep and vulnerable for a couple of minutes. We need to surface some real stuff. Some of the things I say now might be a little tender. You might feel a little well of defensiveness coming up. Maybe it's a little painful, but just stick with me. Because of my story and my wiring, my temperament, I grew up finding my sense of value in my performance. If I could perform well enough, then you'd accept me or include me or maybe, maybe even love me. I didn't really believe that I, in my own raw self, was worthy of love. I just knew that if you saw the real me, you wouldn't want that. And so I believed that the reason I mattered was because of my performance. That's my story. Yours is probably different. But perhaps... Somewhere in your inner life, there's this linkage between your sense of self-worth and something you can accomplish. What is it for you? Do you establish your worth by being a sacrificial mom who does everything right for her kids? Do you prove your worth through your body image? Maybe it's measuring up to someone's expectation of you, or maybe through how much your office depends on you, or maybe your expertise, or maybe even your very good religious moral behavior. It doesn't matter what the thing is. All these identity crutches function in the same way. There's this thing. You can point to it as a marker of your value. See, look, I'm worthy. I'm needed. I'm lovable. Look, see, I'm an insert identity here. I'm a responsible, enlightened man. I'm, I'm a godly mother. I'm a top-tier realtor. I'm a published author. I, I always recycle. I'm a good Christian person. Whatever, whatever. You fill in your own blank. You've got a thing whatever you need to say about yourself in order to feel okay. Now, it's nice to be good at something. I mean, it's encouraging to get backpats and attaboys and we depend on you, we're so glad you're here, that all feels good. But here's the insidious problem when we link up our sense of value to something we can accomplish. It's a treadmill you can never step off. It's a never-ending slog. That drive to establish our worth, it nags at us. And if it's attached to something that we can accomplish, then we can never stop performing. If we stop, the value we get from performing, it goes away. Then who will we be? So in order to continue feeling okay, we make up a story, an identity story. This is just who I am. This, this is me. I'm just this kind of person. And this identity story built around the need to perform in a certain way, becomes a source of tremendous anxiety, even pain, in our lives. It happens in a variety of ways. For example, when our sense of value is linked to an identity we can perform, we really easily get sucked into conflict with people who don't agree with our identity story. 
I remember the first time someone called me a heretic. <laughs> they didn't agree with some point of theology that I had mentioned when I was preaching, and they decided that meant I wasn't a real Christian, and they told me about it. Now, at that point in my journey, I got a lot of personal value from being the smart guy who's right. And being told that I was wrong, not just wrong, but eternally, spiritually wrong, that was a kick in the gut. I felt this immediate, desperate need to push back, to prove myself, to cite my sources and quote chapter and verse until this person retracted their judgment of me. It was painful. How about this? When our sense of value is linked to an identity that we can perform, we can feel tension when the parts of ourselves that don't seem to fit into that story show up. So for example, anger has always been the hardest emotion for me to deal with. It's a difficult one for many of us, but for me, there's this added layer. See, part of my identity story was being a good Christian man. And in my community where I grew up, good Christian men don't get angry. Anger was violent and selfish and inappropriate, but even so, I would get angry. I mean, I couldn't stop getting angry from time to time because anger is just a natural, biological, neurological response that happens in our body and brain when we feel violated. But that anger, when it came up, it was a challenge to the story I was telling about myself. There was this thing about me that didn't fit, and this thing, I believed, disqualified me. And so I was angry. And then I was mad about feeling angry, and then I was ashamed about feeling angry. See, layers and layers. Do you see how this works? Have you been in that kind of emotional turbulence? How about this? When our sense of value is linked up to an identity we can perform, sometimes we'll make short-sighted, sometimes maybe hurtful or even sinful choices in order to protect that identity story. What's worse is that it seems like we can never stop. If our value comes from being wealthy, then we can never stop accumulating no matter how much we have. If our value comes from being a good, godly mother, then we can never step out of that role, even if we become too controlling or invasive or even when our children grow up and our role should change. If our value comes from performance, then we can never stop performing. We can't rest. This is this is literally true for some of us. Some of us unconsciously structure our lives in such a way that we can never get enough sleep or we can never take vacations. We don't have time for self-care. Our story won't allow it. But that lack of rest, it's not the real problem. It's a symptom. The real reason we can't rest or sleep or take vacation is because we cannot get off the treadmill of proving our worth. In religious terms, we're just trying to save ourselves. Into this reality comes Jesus. He tells us, this is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Of course, he's not talking about just sleep or time off work. You still need those things even if you follow Jesus. He's talking about a heart and identity deep kind of rest. He's talking about the freedom to step off the treadmill of establishing our own worth. He's telling us that we can actually let go of that desperate drive to save ourselves. So how does this work? How does Jesus give us rest? Well, I think it has to do with that identity story we carry. Instead of running on the fear-driven treadmill to validate ourselves, we can come to accept a new identity. You may be familiar with that phrasing from the old preachers that it's all about getting saved. Well, what I'm about to tell you is a different way 
to think about that same idea. We let go of the identity we were desperately trying to build and accept a new identity in Christ. That phrase, in Christ, is a big deal in Scripture, in the New Testament, particularly in the writings of Paul. And it's way bigger than we can cover in a few minutes here. So for our conversation today and for the anchor prayer that we're talking about, uh, there's really one facet of being in Christ that I want to draw your attention to. See, being in Christ means that our new identity is rooted in Christ's identity. We begin to grow into a new sense of self that is rooted in Christ's identity. That's the process of maturing in the image of Christ that comes from Ephesians 4. So what was the essential foundation of Jesus' identity? Well, we can see that at Jesus' baptism. This is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 3. Let me read this to you. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, coming down on him, and there came a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son, I take delight in him. Think about that. What did the Father say about Jesus? This is my beloved Son. I take delight in him. That same language shows up again at the Transfiguration, this other event in Jesus' life. This is also in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17. Let me read this. While Jesus was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son. I take delight in him. Listen to him. Here's the foundation of Jesus' identity. Do you see it? It may be simpler than you expected. Are you ready? The Father said Jesus was beloved. And Jesus trusted that that was true. That is the beginning of faith for us as well, to trust. Do we trust God's character? Do we trust God's heart toward us? Do we trust that when God says that we're saved and included in a part of the family that we really are? Do we trust that when God says we are precious children that that's true? Do we trust that when God guides us, that that guidance is for our best because God's heart toward us is good? This is the heart of it for us. Do we trust? The opposite of trust is everything heavy that we already know. We try to justify ourselves because we don't trust that we're okay. We try to save ourselves because we don't really believe that we're included, that we're part of the family. We try to establish our value and our security in hundreds of other ways. Our reputation, our body image, our career, our identity as a good mom or a good lawyer or a good Christian or the number of followers that we have on whatever social media because we don't trust God's heart towards us. We don't really trust love. And so, instead of rest... We struggle. We fight. We protect ourselves at the expense of other people. We defend our tribe at the expense of other tribes. And we do all of this because we have not honestly trusted the Father's blessing. We have not trusted what God says about us is true. And when we don't trust, we can't rest. So the anchor prayer starts here. The possibility of rest for us depends on whether or not we trust. And so the prayer affirms this. I rest in faith, trusting Father. It's a declaration. I'm going to practice trust. It's an act of faith. I might not even feel this trust yet, but I'm going to practice it. Everything in me wants to trust myself, right? I want to trust my own judgment. I want to trust what feels safe and secure and validating. I want to be in the driver's seat, not the passenger seat. But instead, I'm going to practice 
trusting the Father. Now that short sentence, it's like the tip of an iceberg, the smallest possible indicator of a much larger, more profound truth. I mean, these six words, they just, they just bring to mind this essential reality I need to remember. This reality that's recorded in, in scriptures like this, Isaiah 43.1, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When God saves me, I am well and truly saved. I can trust that. Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. When the divine parent guides me, I can trust that. Psalms 13, 5 to 6, but I will trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you've rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. I can trust God's heart toward me. So this one sentence begins to help me reframe my world. Am I feeling loved and blessed? Great. I rest in faith, trusting Father. That helps me remember that all the good around me is a gift from God. That's not always how I feel. Am I struggling or worried or unsure of what to do next? Fine. I rest in faith, trusting Father. And that reminds me that even in the middle of struggle, hard times, God's heart for me is good. And so I can practice trusting. Why? Why would I do that? Well, why do we practice anything? To get better at it, so that it becomes more natural. Why do we think trust would be any different? We practice so that we can build the mental and emotional habit of trusting. We practice so our thoughts can more naturally come to rest in a place of trust. We practice so that more and more frequently, our words and our actions can arise from a trusting heart rather than coming from a place of fear. I practice trusting so that one day, trusting will be my natural response. I heard a little story that captures this image of resting and trusting. I don't know if it's a factual story. I couldn't find a source when I tried, but I like the story because it carries this little seed of truth. Portland, where I live, is crisscrossed by a light rail public transit train called the MAX. One late afternoon, a tired father boarded the MAX train, pulling behind him a very busy, energetic young daughter who also happened to be blind. He held her hand tightly, directing her through the crowded car until they found a seat in the corner. The dad was clearly worn out as he pulled her up onto his lap. She was antsy and chatty. A few stops down the line, a friend boarded the train and took a seat near them. The two men chatted for a few minutes. Noticing the little one's energy and her father's tired face, the friend suggested that he hold the daughter for a few stops. With the father's nod, he scooped the little girl up on his lap. And the father reached over and he set his hand on the girl's leg and he asked her, Do you know who's holding you? And she grinned and laughed, No, silly, but you do. That is where we begin. One line in this short prayer meant to help us build a new mental habit so that we can see and experience our lives differently. I rest in faith, trusting Father. May you know the truth of your belovedness and grow to trust it. Thanks for listening. You'll find the show notes for today's episode, any links that I mentioned in the episode, scriptures that I mentioned, all at www.markallenshelsky.com forward slash T-A-W-0-2-4. 
If you want a regular infusion of good stuff for your spiritual growth, then subscribe to my email list. I email about twice a month, and that usually includes a link to a new blog post, a link to a new podcast episode if there is one, and sometimes links to other things that I think might benefit you in your spiritual journey. And of course, if you found this podcast helpful or the conversation we had today, please do all the things. Subscribe in your podcast app. Subscribe on YouTube if you prefer the video. Rate and review the podcast. And most importantly, share it with someone you think would benefit. That is how a podcast grows. And it won't happen without you because I don't know your friends. So share this with someone that you think it will help. Until next time, remember, in this one present moment, you are loved, you are known, and you are not alone.